Uh, I am excited to be speaking this morning. We are starting a brand new series. And for those of you that are just kind of walking in, my name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here. And the brand new series that we are starting today is called Letters to the Church. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at letters written by Paul to the early church and to see what God is still saying through those letters for the church today. You guys can take a seat. Some of you were looking at me like, how long is he going to let us stand here? That was my bad. I just missed the cue. So every week of this series, there is going to be a daily devotional that we're going to be reading together. And that is going to be sent out in an email. So if you don't get those emails, grab a new here brochure, write your name and your email, and we'll make sure that you get those uh, devotionals sent to you. We're going to be reading through it together throughout this week, and every single devotional is going to be based on the letter that we're looking at that specific Sunday, and then the next week we're going to be reading through that. Because one of the things that we learned a couple weeks ago was the importance of voice recognition, recognizing the voice of God. And one of the ways that we do that is when we read through Scripture is to write what it is that stands out to us, what it is that that we maybe learn for the first time, that's a way of learning voice recognition to write that down. And we've made journals available for you to take as you leave, and they're on the table out in the lobby. And I would encourage you to grab one of those. And as you read throughout the devotional this week, write what you learn. Write what stands out to you. And take that to your core group and talk about it. Bring it back the following Sunday. You can write your sermon notes in there. There's just a lot of ways that we want to equip you with this tool so that we can grow together. So letters to the church, specifically letters that Paul wrote to the church. And maybe you're wondering, who is Paul? Paul was an apostle of Jesus, and he was one of the leaders of the first generations of Christians, the first generation of the church. And of the 27 books that are in the New Testament, 13 of those 27 are attributed to Paul as the author and half of another. So most of what we know today as the New Testament, we have Paul to thank. And here's why he wrote letters to the church, because the New Testament, as we know it today, wasn't like that. So they had letters that they were writing to pass around, to be read in these gatherings, to equip and to encourage. And that's why Paul wrote this letter, was to teach the church, was to encourage them, and was to build their faith as they continued to learn what it meant to follow the ways of Jesus. And the letter that we're looking at today, you might know it as the book of Philippians. And this was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And what's really cool is it's concluded by scholars that Paul was the one who started the, and founded the, the church in Philippi. And another thing that I thought was just kind of cool, just kind of like a geeky kind of history thing, it's believed that the first time that Paul preached on European soil was the church in Philippi. I thought that was kind of cool. Imagine it being like this Indiana Jones kind of moment where history is being made well, I mean, literally, I mean, we're reading about the history that, that was made, right? But I don't know, just a weird thing that I had in my mind when I was reading that history. He was writing to the church to encourage them to build up their faith. And what's really cool about that is, as I was reading through this, this letter this week, I was encouraged. My faith was built up. And so it's no surprise that we're still being encouraged, that we're still being built up by these words. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, get them out, get them open, whether it's a paper Bible like I've got, or uh, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion app. I think that would be really helpful for you. I read out of the New Living Translation. And in Philippians chapter 4, which is on page 959, 
in verse 6 through 7, it says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The title of my message today is Getting Rid of Worry. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this chance that we have to be here, to open your word, to worship, and just to simply gather. We do not take it for granted, and we're thankful for it. And I pray that as we continue to look at this scripture, this letter that we would, we would be built up, we would be encouraged, and we would apply it to our life in a way that not only builds us up and encourages us, but, it, but builds up and encourages others. And I want to make sure that I, that I don't get distracted, that I don't get scattered, that I don't chase rabbits up here. I want to say only what you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, everybody has struggles. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew that. Everyone has problems. Everyone has relational rifts. Everyone has something to worry about. And that's not exempt to those of us who are followers of Jesus. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there's always something that's going on. There's always something that, is, that could cause us a sense to, to worry. And I know what you're thinking. This isn't the most encouraging of intros that we've ever heard when starting a message, when starting a series. Uh, I've never started a, a sermon series before, so the fact that I'm starting this on this kind of a note makes me anxious to see what the rest of this series is going to entail, because now you're thinking, <laughs> well, we are not coming back. But just, just hang in there for just a second, okay? So while there are things that can overwhelm us and make us worried about, something that I want you to think about is it doesn't take us long to go there. Like, we don't have to go hunting for things to worry about, Right? You're thinking this isn't getting any better. But think about it. What, what are you worried about? Like right now, in this moment, in this season of life, what are you worried about? Let me give you just a moment. Maybe for some of you, it's school. You started this week, or you, or you started last week, or you're starting this week, and you're just kind of freaking out. Maybe it is, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's masks, maybe it's money, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your marriage, college children, scholarship applications, an empty house, practice, loss of a job, starting a new job, tryouts, parents, a house, moving in, moving out. What am I going to do when my parents retire? Am I going to find a new team? Am I going to make new friends? Maybe you are just stressed and worried and overwhelmed at these army worms that are just destroying your grass. And maybe this is the first season in your life when you've invested in your yard. And so the fact that it's getting destroyed by these army worms just has you really freaking out because you've spent time and you've spent resources and you've spent all this energy getting your yard looking the way that it is. I mean, I'm just shooting from the hip here. I'm not speaking personally. My wife and I said that, we, that when we owned a house, that we would take care of the grass. And it was a good year that we just were like, yeah, we won't do that. And we started taking care of the grass, and then these army worms start screwing it up. And I'm like, this is my yard. This is my grass. It almost looks better than my neighbors across the street. Like, we got to set the standard here. Maybe, maybe it's the army worms. That's not my thing, though. For me... My thing, like, like what just propels me into a sense of, of worry is when things break. 
And when, when we bought our house a year and a half ago, what was amazing is that, that that sense of worry of things breaking just disappeared, which some of you are like, no, it didn't. And it didn't. It like multiplied. It compounded. It grew to a proportion that I never thought that it could grow to. And what was frustrating about that is people would say, buy a house. They said, buy a house. They said it was wonderful. Like, you're just going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. That's what they said. Now, who are they? You know, we, don't, we don't know who they are, but we always reference they. My youngest son, his name is Isaac, and he has a pogo stick. And it is one of the best things that he has. And I love watching him on this thing. He's got good rhythm. He's got good balance. And he knows that he can use this pogo stick anywhere outside. Keyword is outside. And he knows that when he's done, to open the garage door, put it in the garage, close the door, done deal. One time he's out in the front and he is bouncing on this pogo stick and I was watching him. He was just living his best life. And he was done and he opened the garage door, put it away, and he closed the garage door. And I, I went inside because as far as I was concerned, we were done. And the garage door came halfway and then went back up. So Isaac, puzzled, looks at it, goes, well, that's weird. But as a pro would do, he checks the sensors, you know, those things that are on the side there. Turns out those are expensive. And he looks at those... And, but nothing's in front of the sensors, right? And so he closes it again. And again, it gets stuck about halfway, a little bit further than the first time, and then it goes back up. And then my oldest son, Noah, he kind of sees that Isaac's struggling, and so he helps him close the door, even tries to pull it down a little bit. And then here's this pop. And then he proceeds to come inside and, and go, Dad, I, I can't get the garage door closed. I'm like, all right, let me check this out. And then as, as a dad would do, you got to stand like this when you look at it. you got to do that after you mow the yard too, right? Like you look at the yard just like this and you're like, yeah. So here I am looking at the garage door like, all right. And upon further examination, that was weird. I probably shouldn't have done that now that I think about it. But upon further examination, I realized that one of the support wires on the side completely broke off of its base, and the track was bent because the pogo stick was stuck in the track. And the, the garage door could not close all the way. It was bent. It was off of its um, axis. I mean, I don't know, whatever that's called. It was off the thing, and, uh, and, and it was officially broken. And I would love, I would love to stand here and tell you that in that moment, I looked at that as an opportunity for God to just show up. I would love to tell you that I was standing there in my garage going, man, God is going to do something wonderful through this. But that's not, in transparency, that, is, that was not my thought. Here was my thought process. Okay, here's, here's how this went. Because that was, <laughs> that was not it. Here's how, here's how this went. I don't know how to fix this. I don't have the tools for this. We can't afford this. We're going to have to get a new door. Maybe there's a YouTube video that I can watch on how to fix this. I found one. And the first thing that this 13-year-old said was, was, do not touch the big spring, which I'd already hit the big spring twice because I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. And if you hit the big spring, it'll all spring back into place. I don't know anything about these garage doors. And so then I'm discouraged. And I'm like, why does this 13-year-old YouTuber know more about garage door engineering than I do. Like, why can't I figure this thing out? It's because I don't have a beard. Why can't I not grow a beard? It's because I just don't have the genes for that. 
And then it, it, then it kind of trailed even further as to why can't you fix these things? Guys are supposed to know how to fix these things. Why can't you lead your family? In such a short amount of time, worry had propelled me to a very dark place because I had allowed it to overwhelm me and to dominate my thought process in that moment. Worry. So what is it for you? It may not be your garage door. It may not be when a pogo stick gets stuck and your garage door breaks, but what is it for you? What is your go-to? What overwhelms you with anxiety? What sends you into a tailspin of worry? Because let's just be honest, okay? We've all got something that just sends us down that road of worry. And if we say we don't, we're lying, so then we'll have to deal with that in a matter of prayer. But let's be honest here. We've all got something. Maybe for you, maybe it's your busy schedule. Like you are just constantly running. You're constantly out of breath. You're always late. You're consistently living life at an unsustainable pace. And maybe for you, summer has been nice, but the school, the school season is starting right back up and you're just freaking out. And this is not reserved to just students. Parents know this. It's students. It's parents. It's the educators. It's the administrators. It's the police officers that monitor the school zones. It's us who drive, who drive through the school zones and realize that that's 30 minutes now that we're just going to be stuck because it turns out the first couple weeks of picking up kids at a school, we don't remember how to do that from the year prior. Like, I don't know what happens during that time when people are just like, I don't remember how to do this. Like, we pull in this thing, and then there's people screaming, and do I... I mean, there's my child, but do I get him? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe that's it. Again, these aren't personal examples. I'm just, just trying to help you get the... Maybe it's academic pressure or uh, pressure to perform in sports or the creative arts. And maybe that's put on, put on yourself by yourself or maybe it's by your parents or maybe it's a risky behavior that you're involved in, some kind of habit some kind of relationship that you just know isn't healthy, but there's just this continual destructive pattern. Maybe it's just the difficulty of navigating relationships. And when you think about that person or that conversation and it, it just, starts to, just starts to tailspin. Maybe it, it is kids. Maybe it's just the pressure of being the best parent that you can be. Or maybe it's just the fighting the comparison. Social media doesn't help with that, especially as a parent. And maybe, that, maybe comparison is it for you. You constantly compare yourself to others. Their house is better. Their kids are better. Their spouse is better. Their life is better. Their grass is better. Their vacations are better. I mean, their faith is better. Like, look at the way that the sun hits their Bible when they post it on Instagram. And the coffee shops they go to are just super bougie. Like, that is just, it's just so much, so much better than what I can do. Maybe it's just anything financial. Like just the mention of money sends you into a tailspin because you think we don't make enough. I'll never make enough. Like there will never be enough. Maybe it's your job. You feel stuck in something that you don't enjoy and just the thought of changing careers just freaks you out. But maybe you can't actually pinpoint what it is that you're worried about. Maybe you just, you, you can't actually say, Eric, I can't say that it's just one thing. Maybe it's all of these things. Maybe it's none of these things. And maybe you're just miserable. And you think, worry. It's stealing everything good about your life. And in this moment, you don't know what to do. 
You don't know how to get out of that tailspin. You don't even know how to, how to react once it starts. You don't know how to move forward. When it comes to just the forward progression of life, like you just feel stuck, like you're caught in that tailspin. And if you're not now, it's just something that's going to happen. Like those are things that we just experience in life. So my question is, how do we not let worry overwhelm us? How do we not get stuck? Like that tailspin that I experienced in the garage, how do we not give in? How do we get rid of worry? Can we? Like, is this something that's even possible with all that's going on in our life and all of the things that we're exposed to in the media and just around the world? Like, we just consume all this news and information. How do we not be overwhelmed by that to the point to where we feel like we can't even take another step forward? Everybody okay? Is it even possible? To get rid of worry. Let's look back at the scripture here. This letter from Paul, Philippians 4, verse 6. Start of it says, Don't worry about anything. So, is it possible to get rid of worry? Yeah, I mean, Paul says, Don't worry about anything. Okay, got it. Done deal. I want to invite the band up at this time. Those who are going to be on the prayer team, why don't you come up? Like, let's just wrap this up and we can beat the other churches to the chips and salsa. Like, that'll just be great. Paul says, don't worry about anything. It's kind of tone deaf, if you ask me. Like, there's a lot that's going on in the world. There's a lot that's going on in our personal lives. Another translation of this verse says, to not be anxious about anything. So don't worry about anything. Another translation, do not be anxious about anything. Anything? Like, come on, Paul. Anything Like, is Paul really saying to just be happy all the time? Like, just do-do-do-do-do, no matter what's going on? That's not actually what Paul is saying. What the, what the verse is actually saying is to be mindful of, to be concerned of, to be aware of. And what's really cool about Paul using these phrases is that he is echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, you can flip there later, just write Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says to not worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. And there's several things that Jesus goes on to list about what not to be worried about. And Jesus says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those are the words of Jesus. When we get caught in that tailspin and what Jesus is referencing, those thoughts dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And so what Paul is doing by echoing those words of Jesus, he's reminding us to not be dominated by worry. And here's the difference with my garage door. It's, it's obvious that there were things that I needed to be aware of. Like I needed to be aware of how is this gonna get fixed? I needed to be honest with myself and assess my skill level that I had no idea how to fix this garage door. So then I needed to think through, okay, I don't know how to fix this, but somebody does. Like, otherwise, they wouldn't have built it. So somebody knows what they're doing to fix this thing. I need to call and figure out who that person is. Like, there, there were things that I needed to do, and I could have thought, you know what? This is going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. It, it's, financially, it's going to work out. Things always do. I just, need to, I just need to properly think through this. And as I mentioned earlier, that was not my response Right? Like, I did not do that. I instantly became dominated 
by other thoughts. And I gave into that worry. And here's what I did. I started believing all of those lies that I was telling to myself. Every single one of those things that I said that wasn't true, I was hearing and I was believing and I was already writing the end of a story that hadn't even started yet. But for the record, I can grow a beard. It just doesn't look like Cole's or my brother's. It just doesn't look as full. But it, I do have facial hair, okay? So don't think like there's some sort of condition I have or my follicles are weird or something. Like I, I just want to set that record straight. I, I, can, I can grow a beard. But here's the thing. When we experience those kind of moments, like with my garage door, like that moment of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's not a matter of if we experience those moments. It's a matter of when we experience those moments, right? When we experience those moments that bring about a sense of worry, here's what we need to be laser focused on. We need to be focused on what worry is. We need to be focused on what worry is. And I want you to write this down. This is so, so good. You're going to want to take this with you. This is what worry is. Worry is looking at the future through the lies of the enemy. Let me say it again. Worry is looking at the future through the lies of the enemy. Not the eyes, the lies, capital L, lies of the enemy. Worry is looking at the future through the lies of the enemy. Isn't that great? A friend of mine texted me that this week. Worry, looking at the future through the lies of the enemy. With my garage door, I was looking at the future through the lies of the enemy that it was never going to get fixed because I couldn't fix it. I didn't know how to get fixed it. There was no way and that it was always going to be broken. And here's the thing. When that is your filter, when that's your filter that you filter things through, that you think through in any kind of situation, don't be surprised when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel anxious, when you feel dominated by worry. Like when that is the filter that you use to process events that we experience in life, don't be surprised when the result of that is to be dominated by worry. The enemy loves that. The enemy loves when we feel stuck, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel dominated by worry. And this is in all areas of our lives. When you become dominated by worry about your marriage, your job, kids, school, whatever, here's, we, ha we have some very important choices to make. And the first one is we can sit in the worry and we can dwell on all of the negative things. And like I mentioned earlier, we can write the end of a story that hasn't even started yet. Or, whew, okay, there's an or. Or you can take an honest look at what's going on. Like take an honest look at what's going on. And that's what it means to be aware of, to be concerned of, to be mindful of. And trust that even if we don't know how, that, that somehow God is gonna figure this out. Because again, in Matthew 6, read that later, Jesus says, look at the birds. Like look, look at the birds. God feeds them. God takes care of them. And aren't you more important than they are? Look at the birds. If God figures that out, he can figure this out, like whatever this is for you, whatever that represents for you. If God can take care of the birds, he, he's going to figure this out. It's trusting that God will find a way. Even if we don't know what that way is, even if we don't know what the step is, even if we don't know exactly how 
I, I mean, I, I love instructions. I love, like, especially Legos. Like, just give it to me. Okay, this, 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 done. And sometimes when we don't know what the next step is, it's trusting that God does. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's trusting that what he's done in the past, that he's going to continue to do. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, the latter part of that verse. Paul says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Here's why this is so important for us to do, church. Because this is what it means to focus on faith and to not be focused on worry, to not be dominated by worry. We gotta remember what worry is, right? Worry is looking at the future through the lies of the enemy. So what's the, what's the other choice? What's the opposite? And the opposite of worry is faith. And I, I know that that's like a super churchy answer. Like, what's the opposite of worry? That's no, faith. Great. Okay. I mean, that, is that it? Faith. Read your Bible. Go to church. Got it. Okay. But it, it's so much more than that. So while I know it may sound super churchy, super easy, here's kind of the definition that I want us to have for faith. So write this down. Faith is looking at the future through God's promises. Faith is looking at the future through God's promises. Mm, isn't that good? Same friend texted me that this week. Faith is looking at the future through God's promises. And this is why Paul says to thank him for what he has done. Done. So that word is past tense. Thank God for what he has done. Paul is reminding us to look back to look back in our lives at what God has done. And here's what looking back does. Looking back at God's faithfulness is what gives us faith to take steps into the future. Specifically, if that future is unknown, which last time I checked, it's all unknown, right? Faith is looking at the future through God's promises. And this is why, this is another reason why journaling is just so, so helpful is that when God provides, when there's some kind of a breakthrough that you experience, when God heals, when God restores, when God does some kind of thing in your life, big or small, write that down, document that, remember that. And then when you come to a moment in your life when you think, I, I have no idea how this is gonna work out, there's no way that God's gonna come through, there's no way that this is gonna happen the way that I need to. In those moments, you will have those promises because you will be able to look back and go, oh, wow, you know what? We had no idea how we were gonna figure this out financially. But then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Okay, if God figured this out, he's gonna figure this out. That night that the garage door broke, um, I was just like, all right, I don't know how to fix this, so we'll just figure it out in the morning. And then I left the garage, doing the whole nighttime routine with the boys, and then I'm brushing my teeth in the bathroom. Brushing my teeth when I'm vacuuming, like those are just moments for me to think. And this, this was one of those moments where my mind was just racing down this very dark trail, right? So I'm brushing my teeth and complaining about the garage door. 
Like, why does our house even have a garage door? We don't even put our cars into the garage door. Like, why don't we just get rid of the thing and just put a concrete slab in front of it or something? You know, I don't know. We'll park our car in Billy's driveway. Like, I don't know. And I'm just, just going round and round or down and down, like however you want to think about that. And then as I'm brushing my teeth, I turn and I look on the wall of our bathroom. We have this cork board where we pin up different things where we feel like God has provided for our family. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. Yep. There it is. We had no idea how we were going to pay that surgery bill. But it, it got figured out. Like, here's, here's the receipt. Here's the story. Here's how it got figured out. And there's, there's several things on there that I was able to see and go, okay, I don't know how. <laughs> like, I, I, I do not know how to do this. I don't know how to fix this. But because I didn't know how to do any of these things, I know how to do things, by the way, but a lot of things are just out of our control, right? And so because I didn't know how to do these things, but God figured them out, I was able to refocus and recenter and knew that God was going to figure this out too. So what is the result for us? What is the result for us thinking this way, of believing this, of having this kind of faith? Like, what is the result? Let's look back at Paul's letter. Verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Then you will experience God's peace which passes all understanding. Who wants to experience that? Like a double portion, please. If you've ever wondered what, you know, people raising their hands in worship is, it's a funnel. And so it's a way for you to, it's not a funnel, it's just a joke, just a worship leader joke. But a double portion of that peace. Like think about what's going on in your life. Think about what's going on in the world. Think about what's going on in just your season of life. I mean, peace is something we all need, something that we all desire and this is how we experience that. Your heart and your mind will be guarded. And what that means is that you will not be dominated by worry. You're not going to be dominated by worry. But now, does that mean that the situation instantly changes? Like with my garage door, when I was able to, to, to refocus and recenter and realize that I didn't know how, but that God was going to provide, that doesn't mean that I walked out into the garage the next morning and it was fixed. What that meant was the way that I looked at my situation changed. So it doesn't mean that the situation instantly fixes itself, but the way that you look at it changes. And then that propels you forward in your faith to not only make some kind of action or make some kind of a decision, but trust that God is going to guide you through that process. That's the difference. That's the change. Moving from worry to faith. So, so again, how do we get rid of worry? The first thing we need to do is recognize, like recognize how we're feeling. And when we're feeling worried, overwhelmed, dominated by anxiety, that is when we need to tell God, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm worried about. Yes, we believe that God knows all things, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to talk with us and to commune with us. So we, we tell God what's going on. We tell God what we're worried about. Write it down. That's why we're giving you a journal. And then tell God what you need. 
Like be so, be so specific. What is it that you need? What is it that you need God to do? Is that some kind of a breakthrough in your finances, in your job, in your family, in your marriage, just in life in general with the way that you feel when you just feel miserable? Be specific. What is it that you need God to do? And then tell your core group. Like include other people in, what, in the miracle of what God is gonna do. And then we thank God for what he's done. Right? We remember, we look to the past, remember what God has done. We remind ourselves of those things, and that's what helps us move forward. And not only that, Paul says our hearts and minds will be guarded as you live in Christ Jesus. So moving from faith, moving from fear to faith, moving from worry to worship, like this is how we live in Christ Jesus. And the promise is that we will not be dominated by these things. We'll be able to think clearly. We'll be able to take a next step. We'll be able to move forward and not just feel stuck going around in a circle and not just constantly feeling overwhelmed. Like sometimes I know that there's days where you just wake up and you're just like, oh, how much longer is this gonna go? Like, is there ever gonna be a breakthrough? Is there ever gonna be a moment where I can say, I'm finally past this. It starts by recognizing what worry is. It's looking at the future through the lies of the enemy and choosing faith over that and realizing that faith is looking at the future through God's promises. But we've got to remember those promises. We've got to remember those things that God has done and trust that God will continue to do those things. That's how, what it means to live in Christ Jesus. That's how we get rid of worry. I, uh, I'm excited for what we are about to experience. We are going to move into a time of worship, of communion, of prayer. I wanna invite the band up at this time. And as the band is coming, and as you are sitting here, take just a moment. Take just a moment to recognize what it is that you are worried about. Just think about it, focus on it. What is that thing? But focus on it in a way where you are mindful, concerned, and aware of, right? Not in a way of like, I have no idea how this is gonna work. It's not gonna work. I don't know how to do it. It's just, it's always gonna be this. Don't, don't go down that road, right? Just become mindful, concerned, and aware of whatever it is that you are worried about. And just here in this moment, just tell God what that is. And now take just a moment to remember what is something in the past? What was some kind of a breakthrough? What was some kind of a moment where you realized that was God? That was the breakthrough. That was the, that was the promise that was kept. What was that? And then now think of what you're worried again, worried about again. That's how we change that cycle. So take just a moment. God, we, we come to you in this moment with what it is that we have our hands full of. And it's so interesting how we can think that these, these things that we're worried about, that we're being dominated by, we think that the, the, the tighter that we hold onto is, is, 
is what gives us more control, but that is just, that's just not true. Your word says to, to come to you, those who are burdened. There's some of us that are just overwhelmed with, with burdens this morning. Our hands are full, like there's just no more that we can carry. We're like that person that never gets a shopping cart and they're just grabbing stuff and stuff's falling out of their hands and they're just overwhelmed because they're overburdened. And I pray in this moment that, that we bring our worry to you and that you remind us, I've got this. Like turns out you weren't created to handle this, but, but I am. And I pray that we see those moments where you brought breakthrough, where you brought healing, where you brought provision. And when you just brought the, the, the simple gift of your spirit, and I pray that that's what helps us. And that's what reminds us that, that we don't sit and worry, we, we, we live in faith. Church, I wanna invite you to stand.